Within printed page rests fates unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the binding. Welcome back to Beyond the Bindings this week. I am very excited, actually, uh, which I always am, I feel, uh, to talk about books here on the podcast. But this week, I am going to cover the new Stephen King book, Fairy Tale, which, for me, it's uh, September 20th. This episode's probably not coming out till like, late October or early November. Um, for me, this book just came out about two weeks ago. And uh, it's it's not it's not that large. It's about six hundred pages, but you know it's it's more in the style of King's, um, not even just the way he's writing, but the 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 books just uh, the the fonts bigger and the spaces are bigger. The spacing is bigger. It seems to me, and they really they uh, they read on his part uh, based on his writing. They read pretty pretty easily and pretty pretty darn well. You know, obviously, my views on him are a little biased, but. So, Fairy Tale was published here in 2022, which I feel like uh, it might have been the first book of 2020. It's the first 2022 book that I've read for the podcast here. It's not his only book he's put out this year. Earlier this year, he put out Billy Summers, which was his first full-length novel um, that was just just him. Uh, and the other book that came out this year was the final, the conclusion of the Gwendy series, which is Gwendy's final task, which I read the first two, Gwendy's Button Box and Gwendy's Magic Feather. I believe I read those earlier this year and did a couple of episodes on them. And I actually have the book here at the house. I'm planning on, plan on reading it in a, in a little while, which I'm excited. Now, Billy Summers is kind of a unique case with me and Stephen King because usually I don't bail on his books, and that one just didn't interest me right away, and I, like, I think I maybe got 100 pages into it. So usually that's the point where I wouldn't have bailed. I usually would have bailed around 50, I think, which I don't bail from books a lot, but I, I just wasn't into that one. But I haven't... I haven't... There hasn't been a lot of good response about it. Like, not... I mean, it's, I'm sure his writing is great, and from what I read his writing, you know, it's well-written, but the story wasn't super captivating. And to be honest, when I first, uh, I, when they announced that these books were coming out, I believe it was either at the end of last year or at the very beginning of this year, uh, obviously the me being a fantasy guy, the fairy tale title was the one that caught my eye, but I really wanted to read them both along with uh, Gwendy's Final Task, which... I'm not going to get too far into this. I don't know if he wrote the whole thing, or or I don't know if he even... Because the last Gwendy book, he only... Like, he, his name was on it, and I'm sure he incorporated... Uh, Richard Chismar, I'm sure, incorporated a lot of King's ideas into it. But I'm pretty sure that was only written by Chismar. But regardless of that, uh, I was excited for this one, Fairy Tale, And I knew it wasn't coming for a while, so... I bought Billy Summers, didn't get into it, and then kind of got off of it, started reading the Discworld stuff and uh, a few other just kind of random books here and there. And then I found my way back to King with uh, It earlier this year, a few months ago, and The Talisman, which the episode came out just a few weeks, oh, actually last week, and for you guys it would have come out just last week. And it was kind of ironic that I read Fairy Tale around the same time as I read 
the Talisman, actually back-to-back, is because they both are kind of the most... With the Dark Tower set aside, they are for sure the only, like, true fantasy novels that King has, in my opinion. I might be wrong, and somebody might be able to say, you know, this, whatever, this one in particular. But these two kind of... I mean, they have a lot of it, and it, it really kind of makes for an intriguing plot, but it, not only that, but it, it's fun to see him do new things that are kind of out of the ordinary. It's almost like, I, I think the reason I love the Bill Hodges trilogy before is like, he had never really done a detective thing, and I, I think that he does it so well. Like, don't get me wrong, in The Dead Zone, he's like kind of a detective, you know, he's using definitely detective skills. Uh, but not formally a detective in in the sense that uh, Bill Hodges is or retired reti- retired detective is 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 constantly highlighted in that book um, and in that whole series of books. But it it was fun to see him do something so different and so something that's so beloved to me. And honestly, so I I kind of am at a weird spot with this podcast because I don't know how much I really want to reveal about like where the story goes, which usually I'm pretty full, pretty full frontal about everything that happened in the story, but I'm so used to these books being so old that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not really super concerned about spoiling a book that's 30 or 40 years old, but, you know, Fairy Tale only came out a couple of weeks ago, and even if you're listening to this in December, it only came out a couple of months ago, so there's not a lot of, uh, of, of, there, there is. A, I don't really want to. I, I guess essentially, I'm just saying I don't really want to spoil it for anybody who might want to go read it or be intrigued to read it from this podcast because I, I think that they're just. I, I need. I, I just want to make sure that uh, it, it's covered in in a way that makes you want to read it, but at the same time doesn't kind of reveal. Obviously, the book's called Fairy Tale, so you assume, right? But uh, it does take a little bit longer than normal for things to kind of turn into that like that script being flipped and you getting that fairy tale payout on it so that does kind of take a, quite some time but I was intrigued by the story up until that point already so a lot of that revolved around this book takes place in Illinois I've lived in Illinois my whole life I've lived in the northwest suburbs of Illinois my whole life and this book takes place in what seems to me like the Northwest suburbs, but it's a suburb of Chicago. And places that I've been to are referenced in the books. In the book, at one point, the main character references going fishing in a, in a on a river, the Fox River in South Elgin, like a place I used to go fishing at every day in the summer when I was a kid. It was like the dam right on the Fox River. And, you know, it, it's like a little thing. It doesn't make this book amazing. But it was just kind of cool. Like I, I obviously we're so I'm so used to these books, these King books being taking place specifically in Maine. But it was really it was fun and kind of interesting to have that connection. Like it did bring me a lot of joy in the early parts of this book before it kind of had that fantasy element drop into it. So I appreciated that. But you know, at the end of the day, how you know, there's only so many people here in the Northwest suburbs and you know, how many of them are reading the Stephen King book? I'm sure a lot of them, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, there's an entire nation, an entire world of people that are going to pick this book up and read it. So that meant a lot specifically to me, and I'm sure to some other big constant readers here in Illinois, but maybe doesn't mean a lot to other people, but it was really cool. And Charlie Reed, the character, 
he's the main character in the story. He um, he's 17 through the the great majority of the story itself. But you get introduced to him as a child, and his mother goes out to the store to get something like super, you know, arbitrary, just like chicken wings. I'm pretty sure it was chicken wings for dinner. And she ends up crossing this bridge, and she gets hit by a car. And this kind of spirals Charlie and his dad's life kind of down the drain as far as Charlie having to watch his father um, struggle into alcoholism and then struggle his way out of alcoholism. And you're kind of learning a lot about Charlie growing up seeing something that he knew wasn't right, but also knew he couldn't really handle. And like he couldn't, he didn't really have the ability to stop his father from doing it. Which was, you know, it was sad in that way to think like, you know, there's so many people out there that feel like maybe, so many kids out there that feel like maybe there's something they can't control and maybe that person isn't inherently abusing that child or, or really meaning any harm and they're really just going through something all on their own, you know, and they, they don't, they're not able to have that responsibility. And Charlie put, Charlie's perspective writing it as an adult he kind of puts that, he wraps it up pretty well, just as far as, like, the struggle that he was dealing with inside as he watched his father kind of soak, sink himself into this alcoholism and be there for him and loving him, but having to struggle with, you know, feelings of, of you know, I, I guess you could call it hatred or... Uh, I guess, like like holding a grudge against his father because he almost feels like he is neglected in a way, uh, even though his father still loves him, but neglected and something his father is no longer able to control. And I guess when Charlie realizes that within the story is when you kind of see how much perspective he's having on his childhood as he's telling the story as an adult. I didn't get around to it earlier, but it is written in the first person Charlie is telling the whole story I guess that I mean King has been doing that quite a bit lately it's kind of uh I, I think this it works really well with this story uh, everything I've read that he writes in the first person I, I've enjoyed it and I guess I'm easy to please with Stephen King but this one works particularly well and I think uh because he's trying Charlie's showing you this whole perspective of just how the plot unravels, it makes sense that he would choose to do it in first person. But I am curious why he, why King is choosing to do it more and more as he, uh, as he's getting older. Uh, maybe he's, it's just something he felt like he wasn't doing a lot in his early career, or maybe it's something that it allows him to focus on that character development because this story doesn't have the, you know, giant giant cast of characters that we see in a lot of his early works and. He doesn't really develop m many characters much more than Charlie. Like, Charlie is hands down the only character that really gets a full development. And every other character develops through Charlie's eyes. So it's done in a very different way than what we're seeing in a lot of Stephen King's early work. So, basically, Charlie goes through this whole life experience of his father sinking into alcoholism. And then he basically prays, Charlie prays for his dad to finally get off alcohol and just by circumstance that does happen within that time period and Charlie as a child is always associating associating that with his prayer that he had for his father not really necessarily portraying himself as like a 
like a a religious person outside of that one moment. So I think the whole point of that was like him was King trying to show you that Charlie wasn't a religious person and this was like a last resort. Like he didn't think it was going to work, but then he was convinced or then, you know, then when it did or when it, you know, his father decided to change, he was convinced that it had to be attributed to the prayer that he said, but nothing really goes. There's no more really religious context within the story after that, which, um, it would have been uncommon, I think, for, for King's writing. But so essentially, uh, Charlie's very grateful. This, the, you know, he grows older pretty quickly within the beginning of the story, and he gets to be 17, and he's taking a walk. He's, like, going to school or going to football practice, and he walks past this house that's, like, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's called Psycho House or something like that. It's just, like, a creepy old house. It's, like, it's. I mean, I kind of got, like, the like you know, the house on Neville Street from it, but not actually haunted. And he's walking past it and hears his dog howl. And he goes to, uh, you know, it seems like the, the, the dog is under distress and he ends up going within this gate. And I think he hears the man saying, help. And he finds this man, his name's Mr. Bowditch. Let me make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah, Bowditch. I read it a million times. I just want to make sure I'm saying it right now. But uh, so he finds Mr. Bowditch and he must have fallen off of a ladder he was doing some work he's a very stubborn old man and he had fallen and broken his hip basically the story revolves around the remainder of this portion of the story revolves around charlie getting him help charlie taking care of radar because mr bowditch doesn't have anybody else to to take care of him and then you realizing that mr bowditch doesn't have anybody at all but he's going to need a lot of aftercare and Charlie is now associating this as like he has to pay for the prayer that he had that that he gave for his father. So it, he's looking at it as a trade off. Like God helped his father to find his way out of alcoholism. Now you need to save this man and then continue to be his caretaker. And that's what Charlie does. And this is the point where he kind of like is making amends for a lot of the choices that he made when he was younger when he felt like he was going through the roughest part of his life and himself not really making many good decisions which i think that king does that in a really clever way instead of actually like bringing us through charlie's childhood instead he allows the adult charlie to tell the story of those events through the eyes of his 17 year old self if that makes any sense. And it's really cleverly done. I, I think it, it's like constantly having Charlie reflect about past decisions throughout the entire story, which it didn't really become apparent until after he had he had felt like he, he had gotten the other half of the trade, like it's time for him to do his part and take care of Mr. Bowditch and Mr. D Bowditch's dog, Radar, which actually ends up being the majority of the story is not so much Bowditch, but radar the the dog which is a, a female german shepherd named after radar radar o'reilly uh from mash which was like one of my favorite shows growing up oddly enough it's not like i was born in like the 50s i i don't know why i loved mash so much when i was a kid but i did and regardless of that it really becomes about this kind of like love like this like friendship story love 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 and friendship story between charlie and radar and Mr. Bowditch kind of being like this cranky old man that 
doesn't really want help, but knows Charlie's the only person he has, and Charlie's willing to give him the help, and he's kind of being grumpy, but at the same time, Charlie started, or Mr. Bowditch is starting to see, like, the love that Charlie has for Radar, how helpful Charlie is trying to be, and just really how good of a person Charlie is. So, Charlie kind of, like, wears away at Mr. Bowditch, like, more quickly than you'd expect, and really quickly you realize how much Bowditch, like, cares for Charlie, and you end up, you end up knowing that Bowditch is going to be looking out for Charlie in his own way, which I thought was really cool. And that that's basically that that's leading up essentially like right to the to the climax for not like I wouldn't even that's like portions of the rising action and then things kind of go completely 180 like in a direction that you don't really expect besides the title of the story because at this point if you haven't read it you're probably thinking like all right well that sounds like a, a sweet story about a, a young man coming a coming of age story where a young man is helping out a, an, an older man who is not able to you know basically do any of his his basic tasks of his life and where does the fairy tale portion this is where we're going to get it this is where we get the world is basically expanded on exponentially and i have a lot of questions about it and i would love to talk to somebody in particular about it uh, who's already read the story but for now i'm going to leave it at just it's worth reading and like don't let this part like allow yourself to kind of like dive into the sentimental part of of the beginning of this story because the payout in how much it gets flipped is pretty remarkable and I, I i think it was i thought it was really cool and by the time i got to that portion i had already been burning through the book pretty quickly like i read this in about four days five days it's 600 pages and i was like super intrigued i was like kind of you know really excited that it takes place locally I was captivated by the story. I thought it was sweet. I thought it was kind of cool to see this this kid give up so many of his, you know, of his high school activities just to take care of this old man who he really has no connection to in the first place but somehow feels responsible for. And it was really interesting just to see it flip so much. And when it flipped, it was uh it, it just kind of drove that wanting to continue to binge read it as well. So I highly recommend if you do pick it up don't don't give up at that portion because like it's not your average Stephen King book where like some crazy thing is going to happen at the beginning of the story it's not it, I'm going to tell you that right now but if you if you hold out and let the character build up and kind of understand Charlie a little bit more then the uh, the the latter half of the story it, it fits like right into place and I, I think it was really good was it great yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was great. I, I think it was really good. But would I like more, would I like a little bit more out of it at the end, At you know, when it's all said and done? Not, I'm not talking about the end. I'm talking about as an as a whole. There are things, but I think that a portion of that is because I've read too many fantasy books and I'm very used to getting absolutely every little piece of information I could possibly want out of them or being able to go find it on the internet. And I'm just not going to have that with this story here. So check it out. Find out what the heck I'm talking about with this wild twist um, about midway through, which was 
absolutely appealing quite lovely I enjoyed it now the major themes that I picked up out of this book were simple yet very sweet and very essential I think and uh, something that you uh, that I think Charlie Reed shows quite well and that's responsibility and just having to that moment that we've all had growing up where you had to finally be like ah damn it like I'm I'm an adult I'm, I'm a grown person who needs to do this thing and I don't want to do this thing, but I'm going to. And it's going to be a pain, and I might not like it, and it might not be pleasant, and it might take its toll on me mentally or physically or whatever it happens to be, but you're going to do that responsible thing. And I think at a certain point, we, we everybody reaches that. And for some of us, for Charlie Reed, that happens to him when he's 17. I don't think that happened to me until I was in my early 20s. When something dramatic happened or some some moment or responsibility I had to take on showed me like, yeah, sorry, man, but like that playtime's over sometimes. And that doesn't mean that it's over always and that you can't find a place for it. And you always can. Um, I find it here on the podcast. I find it in these books. I find it in the records that I listen to and the music I, I, I go see and the music I can make here, like all that kind of stuff like that, that responsibility and that yin, yin and yang between what you want to do and what you don't want to do and the doing the things that you want to do, you need to allow them, or at least for me, I need to allow them to, um, to encourage me with my responsibilities, if that makes any sense. So I think that's a pretty good lesson and a pretty good theme. Uh, and I do believe that one was very, very intentional. Now, another one that revolves around the, the beginning of this story, the early parts of this story, are regret and remorse along with grief, which is common. Uh, the grieving process is something that uh, uh, quite a few books I've read in the last year or two have, have touched on, especially those, uh, those two uh, by Matt Haig, which were uh, The Dead Father's Club and the last one I read. What, what was that one called? Uh... The Midnight Library. A lot of that had to do with grieving, and a lot of it had to do with regret and remorse as well. But essentially, a lot of that comes through in the beginning. For you're seeing it a lot of it through uh, through Charlie's dad, and how much regret that he is having as he sinks lower and lower and lower, and that regret and that remorse and the, that grieving is all pushing him down and pushing him down and pushing him down and he just kind of feels stuck in that place and then later in the story you get that flipped and now it's charlie having those feelings but towards his dad now his dad's sober there's a turn of events that makes charlie have those regrets have those feelings of remorse and it's kind of interesting to see that kind of polar side of it you know it's like uh, the, one and the same, two sides of the same coin, but for different reasons. And I thought that was really well done. Again, I would do what I mean, especially like the thing about these books is like, there's probably a good chunk of new Stephen King readers who would probably, I mean, they would love this book just because I think it's easy to tackle and it doesn't have uh, like that like twisted side of it when maybe they're looking for that I don't know but you know the constant reader and me and the constant reader and a lot of people want that just like give me a thousand page book like I like please I, I want one more 
because like you know Stephen King, I love I love I love you to death. I I mean, you're my favorite author of all time. But I want one more. I want one more big Stephen King book before uh, before we don't get any more because I love them so much. I just want I can't. I mean, there. I mean, I still have plenty that I can read. I think I've read all the big ones though. Insomnia. I've never read, read that one. I've never read that one. I need to uh, tackle that one soon. I love the big ones though. They're the best. <laughs> it's so much fun. Oh, such a uh, hilarious thing to be so excited about. But you know, that's how it goes here on Beyond the Binding. So check it out. It's worth it. If you uh, if you like it, let me know. Uh, send me a DM on Instagram or. I mean, that's the only place, really, you can get in touch with me. And it, it, maybe go check it out from the library. My library didn't have it, uh, but I didn't need I had already bought it. But check it out. It's definitely worth reading. Is it great? No. Is it really good? Yes. So Stephen King's Fairy Tale, I definitely would recommend it, especially to newer Stephen King readers. So on the horizon... I am uh, going to take a little break from Stephen King. I am going to, currently, I am reading Weird Sisters, which is the sixth Discworld book. After that, I plan on reading the final, fi the final, the final, <laughs> I plan on reading the final Gwendy book, the Gwendy's Final Task, which I'm excited about. I actually already checked it out. I got it here at the house. And after that, I'll f I'm gonna have I gotta feel it out. It, it really depends on how much I feel like Stephen King wrote in that book because if I if I didn't get a lot of that, I'll probably want to read another one, but I might go back to Discworld. I, I probably should also choose something completely different. I've been wanting to read Animal Farm by George Orwell. I might read that. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be a good fall read. I know it's kind of depressing, but <laughs> that's the uh, I guess that that maybe would fit. Maybe wait for winter, just like super depressing at that point. But as always, I'm Max Lopez, and this is Beyond the Bindings. <laughs>